Hi, welcome. This is Dr. John Demartini. This is one of the most amazing and inspiring shows that you can listen into. If you want to be on the edge of your seats, if you want to open up your heart, if you want to expand your mind, and you want to meet incredible people, stay tuned because you're just about to experience a transformative radio show that will change your life. And you're listening to the Dr. Pat Show that's coming up right next. Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. Talk radio to thrive by. Powerful, inspiring, and coming to you live, bringing you stories of people like you and me busting through and living life full out. Get ready to dare to wonder what your life would be like if you knew you could not fail. Hey, everybody. Welcome, welcome. It's so great to have all of you tune us in and turn us on. What a super show we have planned for you. You know, I think about things uh, these days. I sort of try to reflect on things. And, you know, I less worry about whether my microphone is going the right way or not, or making this last minute change here to the video background or whatever that is. But I think about things. and I've been thinking a lot. And, you know, today joining me on the show is somebody that has been one of our fantastic hosts. But even before that, you know, we have a little similar history, and you might hear about that, but you might not. Lord knows if we start talking about the school we graduated from, I don't know what's going to happen there. But you think about where we are today and what we're doing. And Dr. Kelly Neff and I, you know, we've talked about this several times. If we don't follow our heart and we don't stay true to ourselves and who we're to become in the world, we become aliens to ourselves. We really do. And what I love about Dr. Kelly is that there's nothing really that I could think about that she hasn't pursued from her heart space and yet has used her phenomenal intellect and mind to bring a transformative message in the world. Whether you know her from her fabulous radio show or you know her from the book that she has authored, inspiring me today about what it means to talk about things that really matter. And for today, we're not only going to talk about her fabulous book, Sex Positive, Redefining Our Attitudes to Love and Sex. Yeah. Yeah, redefining our attitudes and hopefully you're going to change some behaviors along the way because that's what Dr. Kelly does. But when we think about our lives and when we think about how we act in the world and become in the world, this is what's so important for her and her platform and what she teaches, whether as a professor on the road, doing a book tour, doing webinars, workshops, you name it. This, this particular effort, this movement, this sex positive movement is something, something that we tried to get done in the 60s and kind of burned out, didn't really make it happen, didn't get it to happen. But she brings the conversation to a whole new level. And that's why I can't say enough about who she is and what she do does. You may know her from the Lucid Planet. But today, it's all about sex positive. 
Dr. Kelly, great to have you. <laughs> Thank you, Dr. Pat. Fabulous to be here. And wow, for someone I look up to so much to have that level of an introduction. Thank you. That was very sweet. And it's true. Everything I do is from the heart. Often fearless, often messed up, you know, like sometimes you know, we do our best and I don't have a filter and everything that I say and do is really how I feel. Um, and a lot of the time, you know, especially in this field, people are all, it has to be light, light and love all the time. Everything's perfect, but no, things can get really tough and we struggle. And that's why, yes, my book, um, is called sex positive. Yes. It's super right. Yeah, I know it matches right. you. Um, so my book is sex positive, but that doesn't mean that sex always has to be a positive experience. And I think that's one of the things that like the new age movement and maybe, maybe even the sixties sexual revolution kind of got wrong was that everything has to be good. Whereas for me, sex positive is, is health. It's wellness, it's boundaries, it's consent. It's really taking care of yourself and knowing what you like and what you don't like and being willing to articulate that to your partners, to the people in your life, to have your gender identity, your sexual expression, um, your sexuality and not apologize for it to love your body unconditionally, even when you want to improve upon it. That's really what sex positive is. You don't even have to have sex to be sex positive. You just have to have a healthy boundary and a healthy relationship with yourself. And you know what I love about this is let's just talk about sex positive as two words for a minute. Um, you know, as you and I move through what what should we call it, our education, our studying, our research, our publications, as we move through that, we get to decide about the things we wanted to talk about. But when we think about sex positive, just as two words, mm -hmm. it is for so many people hard to wrap their minds around that and yet understand the depth and the breadth of your book because yeah. If you look at the 60s, just saying, from my perspective, we were feeling the love, but I gotta tell you, we were marching on Washington. We were doing, okay, so like I went to Woodstock. We don't even gonna go there, but I could have like, I thought you were writing about me in a couple of chapters here. I was like, oh my God. Yes, where queen. That from? Um, but there was a different sense of ourselves and then we lost it. Hmm. I'm not kidding. We lost it. And I've often asked myself, people have asked me, Pat, when are you going to write your book? Yes. I think it's hard for me. It was hard for me up until recently, especially after I read your book, to really go there because something changed for me, you know, especially when I got that job mm -hmm. and especially when I wasn't homeless anymore. Something changed. Mm -hmm. But I think your book is saying, wait a minute, don't change in that direction don't change in the direction of less freedom. Tell me yeah. about how important freedom is. Yeah, it's okay. super important to me. It's super important. And we are at this crossroads, this dichotomy where we're battling for freedoms on all these areas. And then we're also seeing kind of like the mainstream society kind of resist. Um, but what we're also seeing is this fluid change that's happening. So you have to think about it like this in terms of progress. And until 1975, being gay, homosexuality was classified as a mental illness on the DSM, which is the Diagnostic Statistical Manual in Psychology, which I'm That's sure right. you know. Um, and so 
we were saying that it's a mental illness to be gay. Now we know that's not true. And we have come really far when it comes to gay rights. So it's just an example of these changes are happening, but they're happening slowly because they're policy related. But in terms of our relationships, demanding that freedom is coming much more quickly because we have dialogue now, we have community now, we have people that we can talk to about these things. We have models now in the media that we never had, you know, on, on various mainstream TV shows and stuff like that. Now they're still teaching us gender stereotypes and the gender binary and everything else. So there's still a lot of socialization to deconstruct and deprogram. And that's a big part of my book was how can you be free if you believe the lies that the world has told you about who you're supposed to be and who you are. Yeah. yeah. Not only that, but in your book, you do a brilliant job. I'm telling you, if you read the book and you pass by this little a couple of paragraphs here, you're going to miss something. But you talk about identity labels. Mm. And I got to tell you, I'm so glad you got that on the out in the book out in front, right? Because we're very quick to label, and a friend of mine who has who has gotten the book and has looked at it wanted me to bring something up. Yeah, and I said, "Okay, I'll do it." She says, "Look, make sure you mention that those of us that are of a particular religion, we are Christian, and we may decide to choose when or when we don't have sex." doesn't mean that when we actually do have sex that we're not like everybody else and i said oh yeah uh, thank <laughs> you for saying that because i think the world has a perception about that it does well and because religious programming is so strong you know teaching us about you know men's control over women's sexuality and punishing anything that's non-normative and making it seem that procreation is the only really pure way to have sex and promoting virginity and all, all these different things. It is sexually repressive, but that's not fair to say that all people who are Christian are sexually repressive or that they hate gay and trans people either. Because there's plenty of religious people who also love uh, people of all genders and sexual orientations. So one of the challenges that I had writing this book was to talk about trends yeah. without seeming to generalize or judge large groups of people. And I'll be the first to admit I was successful in some ways and unsuccessful in other ways. It's hard. And I'm talking about millennials and how millennial sexuality is different from the boomers. Well, you know, we're talking about 40, 50 million people. So obviously I'm not saying they're all the same. It's just looking at the trends sociologically in the data of where we're going. And that was a very important part of what motivated me to write this book was to understand the future and try to get a picture of, you know, we just entered this like fresh new decade. How are we going to leave it? Yeah. Well, you and I, uh, I'm going to have to talk to you offline about this and I'll tell you why <laughs> in a minute. But one of the things that I was struck by in the book is you jump right into talking about the technosexual, uh, I call it, you call it revolution. <laughs> At one point in the book, you called it a takeover and there's no question about that. And I think, we are very shy, timid. We're holding back and actually acknowledging that that is happening. Yeah. And yet it's such an important part of sexuality in the world we live in today. Why was this an important aspect for you to bring forward in multiple ways like you did in a book? Not just like, it wasn't just like, oh, let me just talk about this. No, you're like, let me tell you what, how it exists. 
Well, I think the subtitle of the book is Redefining Our Attitudes to Love and Sex. And I feel that this is one of the key areas in which we are redefining our attitudes to love and sex. Can it be love and sex if it's with a non-human robotic entity that you know we purchase to satiate ourselves? We're already becoming kind of less human in the bedroom. Not not human in terms of um, like humanistic, but in terms of like having connections with other people. We don't need other people to get ourselves off anymore, Pat. We've got porn. We've got sex toys. And we, we we don't need. We don't need, I mean, that there's that one study in the book I talked about that 50% of millennials said they'd give up Amazon. They'd rather give up sex than their Amazon because, you know, and I think it's maybe Amazon offers them something like sex. They don't, they don't need a person. So we're becoming more disconnected and isolated and through globalization, this kind of loneliness, it's leading people to find these partners in other ways, virtual girlfriend apps, sex dolls, robotic sex dolls, which I really do believe will be the future. And a lot of people, you know, as much as you want to stigmatize it, I do believe as part of sex positive, you have to let people make that choice. If it's a consenting choice that is benefiting them, especially as is the case with people who want to have sex with yeah. dolls. So it's, it's, uh, it's interesting. So we call it the digi sexual identity, which is your sexual identity and expression deals with technology. This is something that we never had in psychology until very recently. No. There's a whole new class of clients and patients in mental health care that, that are going through this that you know, even as psychologists we need to look at. So it's fascinating to me that this is happening so quick because I spent half of my life without a, you know, a phone or internet. So for me, I'm like feeling like I'm right in this gap. So I've yeah. seen it change so much that it's really affected me personally as well. And I felt like it was really important to address it to make sure that, it, you know, if what is love, if it can be with someone who's not alive. You know, what does that mean? And how do we then change the way we think about what love is and what love will be in the future? You know, what's so fascinating about this, and this is what I, this is really the amazing part of what you're doing. When I thought about, and I got ready for this today, I was thinking to myself, how widespread is this, first of all, in our pop culture and our sub-pop culture? So here's what I came up with. I want you to comment on this. Yes. Yeah, sure. When you can watch a game show like Family Feud <laughs> and Steve Harvey reads the list of questions like a hundred women were canvassed and asked what they would give their husbands up for <laughs> and vibrator comes up as number one or two. We have moved into a different arena. <laughs> Wait, we, that's true. That actually happened. Did that really happen? Yeah, yeah. I mean, not only that, but I tried to go back and and just, you know, Ooh. since I knew I was going to interview you, I just tried to keep around. But it's not just that one question. No. Across the board, how open we are in the way we express ourselves. Yeah. And well, that show in particular is almost every show there's a question where somebody answers it in a way that talks to something that would be so taboo. I love it. I love it. I mean, that makes me happy because we do need to have dialogue and, and, and conversation about these taboos because here's the truth. You know, we talk about young people, they're going to hear it, right? They say, oh, you can like put parental controls. You know, there's 13 year olds hacking their phone, looking at porn, right? You know it. So they're, they're getting all the sexual content, all the sexual innuendos, 
but what are they getting on the education side, right? They're hearing about it. So I think it's really important to like have a scientific, healthy dialogue. A lot of parents don't want to talk to their kids, especially about sex, not even, but gender identity and sexual orientation. They don't want to talk to their kids because they're yeah. confused and they don't know. Um, so part of the stuff in this book I have is to like kind of get everyone on the same page. So a parent could read this and talk to their teenage kid. And I actually, I did a workshop at UCLA, uh, no, USC last weekend, the, the Own It conference. Yeah. And um, it was on healthy sexual relationships for college students. And a, a, a mom and daughter came in and I couldn't figure out why this one girl was like kind of really awkward because I'm yeah. talking about, you know, all the things. And at the end she comes up, she's like, my daughter's 16. She signed up for this class and I wanted to come with her to support her so that we can talk about it. And they bought a book and we talked and I was like, this is what we need. We yeah. need we need to have that that dialogue and we need to have people talking, not just about the fun side, but about also health and consent and boundaries and education. I mean, I don't know if you heard this story. I went, I got booked on the news and I showed up for my news appearance and they said, uh, oh, you can't say the word sex on the news. Children might be getting ready for school and their parents could get mad. And I was like, oh, you booked me though. And they're like, yeah, you just can't say the name of the book. Do you want to leave? So did you hold the book up? Okay, so actually what happened was they, I was like, not going to leave because Pat, I'm not a morning person. Okay, like I was, I got there like five in the morning, you know, so I didn't want to leave. I was like, I got all the way here. I got dressed. I, I want to do this. So the anchor came out and I was like, look, and she, the anchor had a copy of the book. I, I didn't even have my book yet. And she already had one. And I was like, oh my God, there it is. And I said to her, look, I need to be able to say sex. Like, she's like, yeah, we just don't want to accept people. I said, a doctor on TV talking about sex positive from an educated way while the parents and the kids are together. What's wrong with that? Surely that's what we need. And she got up there and flashed the book and was like sex positive. And the producers were pretty pissed at her. And I was like, yes, because that's, we need it. We just need to be talking more about this. More you about know, this. Yeah. And part of it too is looking at how we talk about it in the way you're, you wrote the book. There's yeah. a how to this. I'll tell you yeah. the thing that was such really like, I jumped up and down and, and I went through your book and I read it again to get ready for today. And oh we have a tagline on the show. When, when I get interviewed and they want to ask me about the network and like, what is positive talk me? And I said, we talk about everything from sex to spirituality. It's just how we do it. And yep. then I used to just drop it. And now I say, and by the way, there's really not much of a difference between sex and spirituality at a lot of Yes, that. yes. But this is like what you're talking about here. And I think people are talking about this more. You know, in the book, you talk about sex as a spiritual experience. It is. I'm going to tell you, you know this. You went back in time to ancient times. There are rituals that we have forgotten about, right? Totally, totally. What is it that was so powerful in your message of freedom that had to include this chapter? Oh, yes. Good question. Well, I had what I can only really describe as a near-death experience. And it was so crazy. I mean, I talk about the whole, whole story in the book. And actually, yeah. my last book signing, I told like the whole story. I just was like, I'm just going to go for it. And everyone in the audience was like, <laughs> um, 
but you know, we don't have that much time, but basically I had really bad uterine fibroids. I believe it was because I was terribly slut shamed starting um, when I was like, you know, in high school and I became very sexually repressed and I felt a huge amount of shame and guilt that my natural expression was somehow wrong. And so I kind of like shut myself down as much as I could. And I, I got very sick. And I started having these um, horrible pain, bleeding, surgery, nothing helped. I was like 28 years old. I have my doctoral degree. I'm working three jobs. I should be happy. And I, I wanted to kill myself because I was just in so much pain and I had no answers. And it's not for lack of medical care or trying, Pat. I mean, I had like the best doctors in yeah. Southern California yeah. and I did everything right. And um, I met this man who's um, James, my partner, and he taught me about Reiki. And Reiki is a form of energy work where you use your hands and symbols to channel energy through the body and through the, the chakras, which are the body's conductors. And I'm unfortunately, my shirt is too tight, but I have my, I have all the chakras. You can see the, there's the root. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> um, and I, I did, I did this just as a reminder to myself because this was very real for me. And he would, he would do Reiki and he's a medical intuitive as well. And he said, your uterus looks like a bunch of grapes. And I always thought that was bizarre because they always told me I had two big tumors in there. And so I don't, I don't know where the grapes came from. And um, I, <laughs> so long story short, I ended up almost bleeding out and he took me to the ER and I had to have a blood transfusion to live. And during the blood transfusion, I, I left my body um, and I spoke with Krishna the Hindu deity of life, which like, I'm not Hindu at all. And it was bizarre. I don't know if it was Krishna or an alien or my mind. But it was <laughs> and they said, um, you know, have you completed the mission that you came here for? And I was like, I don't know what you're talking. I mean, I haven't started. I have no idea what that mission is. And they were like, we're sending you back. And I came back. I started accepting the blood. About a month later, I went in for the surgery. They thought they could just cut me open and take the two tumors out and then sew me back up, you know, as a woman at 31 with no kids, they are extremely hesitant to do a hysterectomy. Right. Um, which as I was blacking out, I grabbed my surgeon and I said, you have my consent to do a full hysterectomy. And then I was like, whoop, passed out. And they were like, no, 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 you're fine. So it should have been like a two, three hour surgery. I woke up eight hours later wow. after like hemorrhaging. I come in, they're trying to keep me awake because like I had so much blood loss and so much anesthesia and it, it, they, you know how it is in the hospital. They're like, they keep trying to keep you awake. And I was like getting real agitated until the doctor came in and she said to me, we've never seen anything like it in 15 years of surgery. Your uterus looked like a bunch of grapes. Wow. And I was like, pick my jaw back up off the floor. I couldn't believe it. So years before his Reiki scan has somehow more accurate than UCLA medical center MRI machine. Wow. I mean, it like it, at that point I was a scientist, like a hardcore scientist. And after that moment of my life, I started to believe that there are things out there that we can't empirically measure, but that doesn't make them any less okay. real, you know? And I do know. Science, will, science will measure this one day, you know? I totally get it because you and I are very similar. I mean, mm -hmm. it wasn't until six months after I started in 2003, I started the show by, yeah. a, by a fluke wrong phone number. And <laughs> April 1st of 04, I came down with a mystery disease. Yeah. And I now know why. I mean, I know that I was getting ready to get off 
this course, yep. getting ready to go back to corporate America, mm -hmm. you know, talk to organizations about something that I didn't believe in. I mean, I studied the consequences of broken promises like you. Yeah. I studied them for 10 you would, years. And you would have been great at it. That's the thing. You would have been I would have been great at it. Yeah, but you're better at this. But I would have been sick. I would have been yes. great and sick. Exactly. Right? That's the problem. That's it exactly it. And isn't it the same problem too when you're talking about repressed? Yes. Anything? Yes, right. totally. Repression is arguably the source of a lot of our dis, dis ease, as I like to say, yeah. right? Because I believe that a lot of ailments, and again, I can't prove it. A lot of people get very upset because it sounds like I'm blaming them for being sick, right? Oh, well, you, you could have controlled this with your mind, you know, mind over matter. It's not exactly mind over matter. It's more energy flows where the intention yeah. goes and yeah. the, the mindfulness practices that you can engage in to keep your energy field clear and moving and flowing. And again, there's some illnesses that are unavoidable, but I've also seen miracles. I've seen people bounce back from near death to flourish. So it's hard to say exactly what's causing this. But for me, I can say for my journey that repressed sexual energy led to physical manifestation of sickness. And it took my partner who was the person who loved me and supported my sexuality to really help me see that. And after that, I never looked back. I'm like, yeah. I had, and that's where the idea of being sex positive came from because I was like, I'm going to die if I don't get this right. If I don't embrace and love these parts of myself, even if I want to change them, even if they make me uncomfortable, even if other people judge me, I have to do this or I'm going to die. And for, when the worst thing ever happens to you and you live, you kind of, you're not afraid of anything. Anymore. No, you're not. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. And, and you know, I want to talk about this when we come back, because this is something that people may not know. And I don't know if they even bring this up in the interviews you do, mm. because I know people want to focus on the parts that you talk about that are directly related to sex. But I want to talk about the yeah. continuation of what you just said. And yeah. that is in the book, uh, and this is part of sex positive. We must, we must learn to heal. Yes. We must learn to heal the top layer, the layer under that, the layer <laughs> under that. And I remember Dr. Darvish saying to me one day, the first time I walked in there to her and optimistic as can be. And she says, yeah, we're going to take care of the first layer. Six years later, I was finally getting to that other layer. And oh, it yeah. isn't always physical. When we come back, we're going to talk with Dr. Kelly Neff about why it is that learning to heal is directly related to the freedom in our lives. Ooh, I love yeah. that. That is the thing that I'm telling you, if there's nothing else you get from today, you have to be able to be open to heal. And that begins with loving yourself in a way that you can't even imagine. Mm -hmm. Dr. Kelly Neff, tell everybody how they can find out more about you, get a copy of the book, and then we'll take a short break and come right back. Tell them yes, all. Yes, absolutely. Um, you can find me on all the social channels at just at Dr. Kelly Neff. Um, you can find information about the book at sexpositivebook.com. And this is what it looks like. It's kind of like hard to miss. Boom. Okay. Yep. And then also... Um, 
the lucid planet you know i still doing lucid planet radio on the transformation talk network it's my most favorite thing in the world and i, I haven't been, i haven't been able to do as many shows because of uh, you know book tour but i do it the first wednesday of every month at 10 a.m pacific so always find me back here at my roots my girl dr pat <laughs> yeah i'm telling you when we come back we're going to talk about how crystal clear it is about learning to heal or not. Yes. As a matter of fact, you know, it's like my mama used to say, mm -hmm. it either is or it isn't. And we used to say, well, isn't there anything in between? And she would say, no, no, there isn't. It either is or there isn't. What are I you going to choose? Yep. When we come back, we're going to talk about how learning to heal made it into the book, Sex Positive. But more importantly, it's not the last chapter in no. the book. It's not. Oh, stay tuned. We'll be right we'll back. Figure. <laughs> this is Debbie Pokornik with a moment for standing in your power. Self-control begins with noticing how different feelings present themselves in your body. When you're feeling sensitive, for example, your chin might quiver, tears might well up in your eyes, and your voice might catch in your throat. Anger? on the other hand, might appear as tension in your jaw, back, or arms, along with clenched fists, heat in the upper torso, scowling, and a strong desire to yell. <laughs> the more aware you become of your body cues, the easier it will be to recognize when you're on the road to disaster. Choose the emotions that cause you problems, then start noticing and logging the body cues that come with them. For information and to work with Debbie, visit EmpoweringNRG.com. That's EmpoweringNRG.com. Sanskrit is not just a language to be written and spoken, but it is a doorway to gaining understanding of how we experience life and truth. Conscious Confidence is a book written by Sanskrit scholar Sarah Main. The stories Sarah shares will take you on a journey of understanding how the power of this ancient language is not only still relevant, but can truly transform your everyday life. Drawing upon the deeper meanings behind the Sanskrit words for confidence, Sarah Main outlines principles for harnessing the fourfold energy of conscious confidence, focusing, uniting, simplifying, and energizing. Not just a book, a life guide. Available now on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Inner Traditions. You can find all of those links on ConsciousConfidence.com. Sometimes being human has its challenges. Our physical health falters, our spirits sag, our dreams don't immediately come to fruition. Welcome to the power of Maximum Medicine Radio. Join me, Doc Martin, in conversations that will blow your mind about healing. In our hit show, Doc Martin addresses the scientific with bridging to the mystical approaches to give you a new narrative about maximum medicine. In this live call-in show, we will journey into the extraordinary genius of the human body and talk about other beliefs that impact being your multidimensional self. We seek the seen and the unseen and explore the earthbound and the otherworldly, all with the purpose of calling forth the maximum you. To learn more about Doc Martin and Maximum Medicine, visit www.sharonmartinmd.com. Hey, everybody, welcome back. Welcome back. Hi. 
I just had a moment. I was just having a moment of, I don't know why you reminded me of this, but I just had a moment of standing there in the classroom and Claremont <laughs> yes. teaching organizational behavior. I just had that moment. It was a flashback, um, right? I'm telling you, I would, right love, I would love to teach about broken promises, though. I could do that. Uh, Dr. Sure. Kelly Neff in the house. For those of you out there, here's the book, right? Yes. Oh, mine's all bent and stuff. Mine so, is too. Uh, Mine's destroyed. Um, some people say, man, you've got come a long way since back in those days. Not really. I mean, I think it's an evolution of sorts, right? Yeah. So it's an evolution of who we become and what we want to become. But I think one of the things I wanted to ask you about, and certainly we'll talk about this uh, in a minute, is about learning to heal. But before we do that, how do people get a copy of the book? Let's just make sure folks know how to do that. Oh, well, um, it is online. So Amazon, Barnes & Noble, that kind of stuff, they can just order it. It is out. It came out last week. So that's very exciting. So it's brand new. Um, yep. There are some bookstores that have it across the country. Um, McNally Jackson in Williamsburg, Brooklyn, the Astoria Bookshop in Queens, the Tattered Cover in Denver, um, the Mystic Journey in Los Angeles and Venice. And I will be at the Smitten Kitten um, in Minneapolis on the 5th of March as well, signing some books and I'll bring some books down there. And um, yeah, there'll be a couple other book signings and events, but if you want your bookstore to order you a copy of the book, you can do that as well. And it might be cheaper than getting it on Amazon or Barnes and Nobles, but you might have to wait a little bit longer. So that's the trade-off. Um, but yeah, wow. it's, it's out there and, ooh, exciting. I'm not sure if this is out yet. I need to find out, but I actually recorded the audiobook myself. Awesome. Which is like, it, it turned out it was a little bit of an insane idea. I was like, I talk, I got this. These are my words. You know, my publisher's in the UK and they wanted like British actors to, you know, and I was like, this just doesn't feel right. Like I, I wrote this, this is my story. Right. So I did, I ended up, it took me two 12 hour days in LA to just all day long in, in the studio to do it's it. It's gotta be you. It has to be. So it's hopefully you guys be. enjoy that. I know a lot of my people out there are Audible and Kindle and they, they like to listen. And so that's totally fine. Um, yeah. That's out there too somewhere. I'm going to get it because it, it really <laughs> is, it's kind of like, um, yeah, sure. People can get some voiceover person to do the voice, do the voice and come in uh, and do that. And, you know, I, I, I just love my New York, half New York accent. And, I know. You know. I mean, I, I, can you hear somebody's saying, and you know, can you hear somebody say, well, maybe, maybe they could do it. Maybe somebody could come in and talk about orgasms in a British accent. Orgasm. We'll get the They're same. Lovely. I mean, I don't know. Maybe it would have worked great. <laughs> but you know, I just wanted to do it. I know, and I'm glad you did, um, you. because there's something about our energy, and you talked about it, and that really leads me to what I said before the break. Yeah, you know, of course you had to talk about learning to heal, of mm. course, but you didn't have to bring it up in the middle of the book. I know it was extra, but you did, and I'm grateful you did. Right? Yeah. You know, the way I had it, the way it's supposed to be done is that you talk about all these social trends, you talk about the psychology, the science behind them, and then at the end, you have like a little chapter on dealing with it all and healing. 
And I just didn't want to do it that way because the way I structured the book from society to the individual to relationships, it was this idea of in order to be sex positive, we have to understand the changes in our society that are kind of the background for everything. But really to process them, we have to understand within ourselves, our spirituality, orgasm, and being able to release sexual trauma before we get into the relationships. Before we think about polyamory, we think about online dating, before we think about how to find our soulmate, we have to do that work with ourselves. So that's why I kind of structured it like that. And it's why like right in smack in the middle of the book, there's this like really intense kind of spiritual psychological chapter, but it's good because then people can't like, you know, just, you know, oh, I just won't read this last chapter of the book because I'm not ready for this. It's just like, bam, because this is what, this is the crux of the whole message is to be sex positive. You have to acknowledge that we are all traumatized about something sexual, maybe not actual sexual abuse, but there's still plenty of other traumas that happen. Your parents kicking you out for being gay, being made fun of in the locker room because of how your genitals look, just not feeling like you belong, being, be, having gender dysphoria and not knowing you know, how to express your identity. These are all traumatizing in a sex negative society that wants to repress our sexuality. And even though our parents do their best job, most of them, most of us are also still traumatized by our parents. Why? Because we're modeling their attachment styles. We're modeling their relationship. We're modeling their communication. So they might be doing their best to parent us, but we might end up triggered by that too. So there's no way out of being, everyone has some form of trauma about sex and relationships and love. And I think the sooner that we can accept that, the sooner we can acknowledge what it is, Because, and I say in the book, I don't know what yours is. <laughs> I, this is mine, <laughs> right? But probably you know what yours is. It's been there all along. And if you don't, there are techniques that you can use to kind of go back into your unconscious and figure it out. I got to tell you something. When I started to read this and I, I, you, got to, you got to a place in here and I got to ask you about this because I think you and I would be in a lot of trouble if we did not mention in anything we write this concept, flow. Oh, yes. <laughs> you and I would be like, seriously? I mean, people we don't believe to. it when I tell them I sat in on a lecture with with uh, I know. I, I, but if you didn't mention flow in here, and certainly as I write mine, like Mahal. <laughs> we will, okay. But we got to, to hear about this up close and personal we right did. before it was popular. We Tell did. me about this particular conversation about flow, especially in this part of the book. And I'm saying it's brilliant that you did it. Thank you. Well, it's like this. Our sexual energy is our creative life force energy, right? We know whether you believe in reincarnation or not, or you're an atheist, you can't deny that only sex creates new life. Oh, there's my dogs. Um, my dogs love us. My dogs, I know. Hi. They would, they would be all up in here just jumping around. Um, we can't deny that sex creates life, right? It's the only thing that creates new life in humans. So it's literally our creative energy. And that's why even when we dream about having sex or giving birth, it's usually not literal. It usually has to do with some transformation of ideas and release creative birthing of ideas, if you will, when you're pregnant and you give birth in a dream. People are like, I'm going to have a kid. I'm like, actually, I think you might have an idea, right? So it's our, it's our creative energy, our creative flow. 
So it makes sense logically that when we become traumatized and repressed and bogged down with guilt and shame, that we start to cut off that flow. And I literally did this, you know, in my life. And when we cut off that flow, we are restricting that creative force through our whole body and through our connection with other people through that same creative energy. So the idea is after we go through all these steps to healing, which are, you know, learning to reprogram our self-limiting beliefs, acknowledging the trauma, practicing self-love, real self-love practices that I talk about in the book of, of what my practices are for myself and my recommendations, um, and then finding forgiveness, right? So that we're not carrying this toxic anger. The final step for me is about finding flow. Yeah. Because flow is that release, um, you know, we can define flow, right? It's that state of just being where time flies by and you're just doing something for the sake of doing it and you feel good at it and you kind yeah. of like pop up and you're like, whoa, what just happened? That flow, it's, it's relaxing. It's good for our brains. It's good for our bodies. It, it gives us happy hormones and happy feelings. And it's what we need after we've been in that like repressive, guiltful, shameful place is that flow energy. So how do we get there, right? Um, and I can, I can talk about it. Well, well, the thing I love about what you wrote about this and you really get right to the point. That's why I'm so excited you included it Yeah, is, you know, we're talking about changing brain functioning. Yes. And I think that right now we're starting to get the science about changes in brain functioning. Oh yeah. Right? Oh With yeah. All of the conversation about Alzheimer's, you know, I'm part of an organization and, you know, one of my first loves is playing table tennis. But the other reason I love it is because I've seen what it does to reverse dementia, mm. right? Yeah. There's even an organization, a nonprofit, that's called the Bat, Bat Foundation. And so why yeah. is that? Why is it that something like that has such an impact? Well, it points exactly to what you're talking about. It's yep. flow. It's not the only thing. We hear this a lot about athletes. But when you're done with your sport, then what? What right. do you do to unblock, you know, the anger, the resentment, the right? Because yep. if we're blocking it, we're in trouble. We're not in flow. Are we? Yes. No, we're definitely not in flow. And when we're blocking it again, it's we're, we're losing, like you talked about um, playing table tennis and Alzheimer's, that's that like neural plasticity, yeah. right? That somehow you're using these parts of your brain and when you're not using them, when you're cutting them off, I believe over time, this can be detrimental. And, you know, if we don't, they say use it or lose it, you know, when it comes to sex and the brain, and it makes you wonder if this is also true as far as if we don't practice the skills that keep us fresh and keep us sharp, we do experience some level of cognitive decline, which is worrying in a society that is trying to fill us up with passive, passive audience ship, passive viewership, binge watch 10 episodes in a row of Netflix and then go to bed. Right. I mean, at least video games, people are still like using their brains a little bit more, but we have to think about this, like the creative pursuits, you know, whether we're doing yoga or cooking or painting or even writing, you know, art as flow extends, you could be doing math problems, but it brings you into a state of flow. It's not just one little tiny thing that we have to do. Anything that you're doing that's using your brain, that's slowing down your brain waves, that's bringing you into that ultimate place of focus, that's flow and it doesn't matter what it is and I think it's just yeah. really important you know yeah for people to realize that 
Yeah, I want to ask you about this because I think it's directly related. So I, I'm not. Con I think it's brilliant the order that you wrote these. And I want to talk about relationships, but I want to talk about something very specific about relationships, and that is rewriting, as you talk about in the book, uh, rewriting the relationship script. Mm -hmm. And the reason I want to talk about this is because if we're not going to talk about it, the issues we have right now in being in relationship period and being in the techno-sexual world or being in a world where we're bombarded by uh, cases that combat us with arguing for our time, right? Yes. Every minute of every day. Yes. Uh, I mean, I, I, my friend was telling me about the, the a situation where her best friend got divorced because they were out to dinner and her husband wouldn't put down the phone. And so, <laughs> I mean, but yeah, her love language is quality time. Oh my God. That's just like the tip of the iceberg. Yeah. We have to do some rewriting of at yeah. least a couple of our scripts. Let me, talk, let me ask you about you how important this is, but also how difficult it is. Both. I mean, well, you know, like we talked about with socialization and programming, we have it drilled down our throats. Just think about Disney, right? Like your, you know, woman needs to be rescued by one and only, you know, and, uh, and if you really want to take it there, a lot of these women there, they get kissed while they're asleep. And like, that's like actually a violation of consent, the way we look at it now. So it's kind of creepy because yeah, they would, have, they would have consented, but they didn't like Snow White was passed out and this dude kisses her and then she's all better. So telling, it's actually teaching the opposite message. It's, just, it's okay to kiss girls who are unconscious because it'll make them better. Like it's actually really messed up the programming that we don't even think about. We don't even like consider that there's anything wrong with this. So we're met with all of these scripts about, you know, the sexual double standard of women need to be rescued. Women should be the ones that are getting chased by men. A woman can't propose to a man. A woman shouldn't ask a guy out. A woman shouldn't have to ask for consent either, right? Because that's the man's job. All of this is BS. Like we need to stop this. And for me, like one of the biggest things is um, our romantics, our script about romance. Um, I've been working on an article about this topic that'll be out soon. Romance is a, is a guy, Sean Connery, grabbing you and just like grabbing, you know, blah, blah, blah. People are saying, well, consent is ruining this idea of romance because if he, if he has to say, hey, can I kiss you? Then it ruins the moment and it's not sexy. And I'm like, oh God, because like for me in the world we live in now with everything that's happened with Me Too and just uprising of people of all genders and sexual orientations demanding consent and respect like don't touch me unless i give you permission and if you if i haven't given you permission then you need to ask and if i say no it means no if it's not a hell yes it's a no and that is one of the things of the script that absolutely is being rewritten and has to be rewritten and i'm sorry I think it's just as sexy, someone who asked to touch you, who cares about your comfort, who cares about respecting your boundaries. This is a good thing. This is actually a good thing yeah. that someone is asking your permission. So it's not ruining romance. The people saying that obviously like we're not very romantic to begin with. So I'm not, I'm not even upset about this. You know, I'm really I not. wouldn't be upset about it either because, you know, I remember the first time I was introduced to the whole sleep and beauty thing. And then I actually read Anne Rice's version of sleeping Ooh. beauty under a different name. Okay. Yep. We'll save that for another show. We should yeah. do a show on that. Yeah, we should. Um, we got to do a show. But I remember the first time that 
that that story was being told. And I can't remember what age I was, but I remember saying something like, ooh. Yeah, it's creepy. Like, how many potential princes came in there? Yeah. I mean, like, what were they, like, five? Or, like, and my brain was, like, absorbed, <laughs> like, a thousand of these people. I got that. <laughs> I mean, think about that. That is so I'm, I'm with you. Right? Creepy. It's it so is creepy. creepy. But so I have you. got I'm glad something. that you felt that too. I'm glad that you felt oh that. Oh my God. It, but, but, it, but, but it is. But here's, I got something for you. And I don't think I'll get in tr trouble if I mention this, but you got to write an article about this. Okay. Let me do it. I watched a very popular part of a show last night, like uh, a show where the guy uh, has like 500 women and he whittles it down to like four, that show. Okay. And there was a part in the show that I got so mad at, I didn't know what to do. Ooh. And that was a part in the show where the guy is out somewhere and his ex walks up to him and they got her face all like covered up. They can't, and he says, hey, by the way, did you know this about Victoria? You know, blah, blah, blah. She's responsible for raking up relationships. So long story short, this is on the night that he is meeting her parents and the whole thing is planned. And he sits her down at the step and he says, I ran into blah, 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 an ex of mine, you know her. And she told me that you're responsible for breaking up. Now what happened within five minutes, she got angry as she should have. And he flipped it over to her. Oh yeah. About hey you're walking away you're to blame not me and i just thought <laughs> is are any other women like insanely like furious about that scene i mean gosh i hope that this is all fake like i believe i believe that these are all like paid actors like designed to act out scripts that are like triggering to us and i know that sounds crazy i don't really watch any of these shows anymore because it makes me mad it honestly makes me angry Although I will raise you one better. There is a new show of people who get engaged without ever actually seeing oh each other. Oh my God. Oh my God. It is the most, oh it was reviewed God. as toxic, revolting, and addictive. And it's addictive because it's so trash. And I watched a couple of them last night and my, my partner was like, you need to turn this off. This is like the worst <laughs> thing. He's like, this is so bad. They're clearly actors. And I'm like, okay, but if they're actors, then what is the end goal? It is, it's to reinforce gender stereotypes. Exactly. Maybe. It's to reinforce the sexual script. That like, I want to get married so bad. I'll get engaged to someone I've never seen and tell them I love them after knowing them for five days through a glass wall. Wow. I'm like, this is, I hope that the people watching this watch this knowing just like all forms of media, including pornography and everything else, and including the show you were talking about, it is designed to exploit and entertain, not teach us about the world. This is not educational. This is exploitative entertainment. It should be taken as such. The problem is when young people see this and start modeling it because they think they're being taught about how the world works, but this is some serious BS. I just want to say that. I want to start a fan club for Victoria. I think her name is you Victoria. Should. You should, you should. Somebody just correct me if I'm wrong on Facebook, but I want to start a fan club and here's why. I watched this woman be angry for a reason, get up from the steps 
right at our house. Like they were going into the, the house. So he's gaslighting her basically. And, and basically no kidding. Right. <laughs> and watching this go on. And then in the end accuses her of a pattern of walking away. And I'm thinking to myself, women, if you're watching this and, and you have somebody in your life, whether it's a, a man or a woman that accuses you of something that perhaps you didn't do, let's oh, yeah. give her the benefit. And you are not like emotionally repulsed by it. Yeah. Go see Dr. Kelly. Cause I, yeah. think <laughs> I saw a quote, I saw a quote the other day, which was like, walk away from anybody who says that you sharing your opinion or your feelings is arguing that they, and I love that. I love I that. I don't think you can see the, <laughs> do you back, have that on your wall? <laughs> I don't think you can see the background of my wall. I, I don't know if I, if I could I get it, I can't, but it's but... a quote by Walt Whitman. It is yep. my favorite quote. It was hand done in a, in my friend created a, 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 a font type. Oh, oh, that's and it's a quote from leaves. Uh, 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 it, it's Walt Whitman and it is dismiss whatever insults your soul. Yes. That has been my life's motto, but yes. man, watching that thing last night, <laughs> I, I was Linda's, Linda's visiting and you could ask her, I was like, <laughs> somebody better write in and I'm trying to find a phone number like to call in. And, and it's like, this is not a live show, Pat. <laughs> yeah. It's so heavily edited. Yeah. They did it. Maybe they did it to antagonize people. That's the thing. Sometimes these shows, they want to wind us up, but they did it to make him right and her wrong. Oh, see, I hate and that. That was the message. She wasn't like wrong for no. arguing and she wasn't wrong from walking away from him. How insulting. Yeah. But isn't that part of the, we have to do a show on this. Yeah. You have to come back. I'm love to love being My here. God. Dr. Kelly, I'm telling you, I didn't even get through everything. We're just like, we're just, yeah, we're just little Claremont sisters. We can just keep going and going. We could keep going. Three and a half hour lecture hall going on right now. I know. But I will tell you that I have been approached to write a book on broken you promises. You should. I have to consult with you to write it though. Do it. Do it. Yes. Oh yeah. Sex positive. You guys. I love and again, it. find me on all the channels too at Dr. Kelly Neff and, yeah. um, the lucid planet too. lucid planet radio will be back. Um, start of March. So in video form, right? Yeah. We're going to do video. If I can get my guests to agree to not be, I mean, we can wear pajamas. It's fine. We yeah. like a little cuddle party, you know, don't um, worry. Zach will cover everybody up with images and lower <laughs> thirds and everything. Can we get like some filters, you know, yeah, exactly. uh, Pat, thank you so much for having me on. I look up to you so much and you know, you've you. been my inspiration for years. So thank you for all the love, you know, well, you, you know, Gail is talking to me and kind of like, didn't say it directly, but said, well, Dr. Kelly's book is out. And I'm like, <laughs> I know, I know. Thank yeah, you. girl, if I can do it, you can do it. That's for sure. Oh my God. No, no fear, right? No fear. Oh my God. Do you like my hair, dude? I love your hair. I like blonde. Fabulous. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going gray. So, <laughs> yeah. I know. People say to me, do you do that because you're going gray? And I'm like, no, I just. It looks nice. Yeah. People said blondes have more fun, but look at Dr. Kelly. She's having fun. Thank you, Dr. <laughs> Kelly Neff, everybody. I'm Thank Dr. Guys. Thank you so much. <sighs> Lots of love, God, Dr. Pat. Thank you again. Bye, All guys. Right, let's get in the flow, everybody. We'll yep, see you Sex next positive time. flow life. Mm -hmm. <laughs>